I'm Claire Chiapetta, and this is the Cactex Media Podcast. Our guest is Mona Sharif. She's Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for NTT Data Services, an IT company with innovative solutions and deep industry expertise. Cactex Media has partnered with Mona on many projects over the years, so I know firsthand how she's an outstanding leader and motivator. Her integrity, humor, and vision inspire her team. Welcome, Mona, to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving us this time. I wanted to start with uh, a question that uh, people don't often think about later in life, but do you remember what you wanted to be? When you were when you were a young a youngin, <laughs> <laughs> well, I might take some offense at the whole later in life comment. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Let me re-ask that. Let me re-ask that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I, I remember it well. I, I I know exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the next Barbara Walters. I wanted to do feature broadcast news and interviews, and I. I held on to that dream for a really long time. I even earned my bachelor's degree in journalism. And I still, a lot of people will say I interrogate them, but I still, I still have a tendency to kind of interview people because I'm just so interested in, in people and their lives. Wow, that's, we, we had a commonality there. I also think that kind of curiosity really helps you throughout your life, don't you think? It does, it does. And I, I am curious about so much. And I and I do like to dig into quite a few subjects. And when did you decide to go into marketing? How did that happen? And, and uh, when did you make the choice? So it was, it was after I got my journalism degree, and I did work briefly in local television. And I quickly realized it was so much more infotainment than it was news. And that that's not what I wanted to do. So so then I went into public relations to kind of apply the lessons from some of my great professors. And I realized that public relations was really a component, just a, a piece of marketing. And I wanted to play in the biggest field that I could play in. So I chose marketing and I went to talk to the person who ran marketing at the company I worked at at the time, EDS. And and he wouldn't hire me because I didn't have any marketing experience or an MBA. And that just fired me up. So I went back to night school, keeping my full-time job. I earned an MBA so I could uh, really pursue the career that I wanted. Uh, but interestingly, I was kind of recruited away from EDS to work at a different company, to work out of Lucent, uh, right out of B school. And it's it's just been a great ride ever since with a number of companies, with EDS, Lucent, HP, Dell, now NTT Data, data acquisitions and, and other events. But I've really been uh, very much in marketing and communications the, the entire time. Yes, it, it's been a ride. Wow. Marketing for an IT company is really challenging. And I think it's challenging because the solutions are complex, and you're mm-hmm. and it's you're always looking for that way I know to to take the complex and and you know simplify it, but yet mm-hmm. you know still have the depth in the simplification. If that Absolutely. it's a conundrum, so I, I guess my question is, what are the challenges in your job as you see them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a three-hour podcast. Exactly, I know. Series. I know. <laughs> Um, so let me try to kind of focus on on two or three. I'd say the first challenge for an IT services marketer is that we're selling the invisible. 
there, there's not, there's no picture that you can show that, you know, show somebody IT services. It's not like we're selling, we're selling a physical object. So we have to create an image in people's minds of capabilities and of outcomes. And you do that through client examples. You've helped us with quite a few through thought leadership, but by making those very complicated concepts easily consumable. Um, I'd say the second challenge is marketers in every industry have had their functions disrupted and transformed by, by the digital revolution. And my original attraction to the profession was really around content and creativity as kind of drawn into the art and artistry of marketing. But today the focus is so much more on science, especially around analytics. Marketing today is a science that's finessed by art, and the best marketers have to be technologists with expertise in, in analytics. Now, fortunately, I've grown and I've evolved along with the profession, and as a curious, lifelong learner, I've enjoyed the continuous learning process. I, I love learning new things every day. Uh, but that's, that's really kind of the challenge as it has been. And today, the key challenge is taking advantage of what technology can do because you have to choose from all the alternatives that are available to build the MarTech stack that's best suited to your business. And we're continuously evolving our capabilities and our sense of creativity to, to pursue and interact with clients as effectively as we can. It's, it's still so hard with the market changing so quickly. It is. It, it is, but you know, even with the market changing so quickly, and even with all the technology, it just it comes back to the human touch. Because ultimately, we want clients who are so happy with our services that they're willing to be advocates for us. Right. And that's not about a bot. That's about winning trust and loyalty of a real human being. Right, and it's finding talent and, and really, you know, allowing them to work their magic too, right? Finding the right people for the right seats. Um, I love that idea of that you said science finessed by art. That's a great. That's a great analogy because I it uh, definitely is that, isn't it? It's it's always it's always a secret sauce, adding the finesse. Your company has been terrific in supporting startups and entrepreneurial endeavors. You know why is that important to you personally and your company? Good question. You know I love how NTT Data and our parent company, NTT, really support and encourage entrepreneurs. And, and as someone who kind of has an entrepreneurial heart and spirit, it, you know, it has helped me feel right at home here. Uh, one of the best examples is actually our uh, NTT Data's Open Innovation Contest that, that's going to take place this week. And it's an annual event that attracts entries from startups around the world, and our goal is to surface solutions to the world's most pressing challenges. So the contest was actually built around supporting the United Nations goals for sustainable development, and winners get funding, and they get the chance to work directly with NTT Data technology teams. So we actually collaborate with the winners to co-create new solutions. And for, for a decade now, we've held in-person contests in 16 technology, you know, hot spots around the world. This year, it's all virtual. And that actually has allowed us to be more global than, mm -hmm. than ever before. 
Um, you've got regional judging for this year's contest underway right now. Uh, clients are participating in that process as well. And then the grand finale is scheduled for next January. And, and the logic behind the contest and, and our other support is twofold. Obviously, there's an altruistic reason that NTT, NTT Data's mission is all around using, te- using information technology to create a better world, a more prosperous and harmonious society. The business reason for engaging with startups is to keep our pulse on the cutting edge of technology. Um, and we do that in a lot of ways. The, the Open Innovation Contest is one way. Another way is to the NTT Venture Capital Fund. We've got a $500 million fund that Vab Goal launched just last week, as a matter of fact, to NTT Venture Capital. So it's, it's not just part of our DNA. It's not just one of the things we talk about. It's one of the things that we've put real programs and real funding behind. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Um, it's such a great way for the best ideas to come out, though, isn't it? Right. What a great... You know, you guys foster... I'm so impressed with NTT Data because they foster innovation at every level. You know, I feel like you. Inc- it's encouraged when you talk to... We have the privilege of doing some work with your company, and when you talk to people on the front lines who are delivering to clients, when we talk to different marketers, h- how do you feel like you you encourage it from your seat? How do you do that hmm. internally? Well, you know, I think the most important thing is to listen. Listening to my team, listening to our salespeople, listening to our client executives who are, you know, with their with their clients day in and day out, and most importantly, listening to clients. It's by listening that we uncover the best practices and the great ideas in the business. Uh, to consumer or marketing space, and then we can take that and we can apply it to business to business. And I also think it's important to participate in, in industry-leading organizations. We're, we're intentionally very active, for example, in the IT Services Marketing Association. So I, I believe that trade organizations can, can amplify our results and constantly challenge us to maintain our position, clearly you've heard me say, as the best marketing team in the industry. So I think it's it's twofold. It's listening, applying best practices, taking those great ideas in business to consumer, applying it to B2B, but also actively participating in some of those industry-leading organizations. Yeah, that's true. That's really true because that's one thing you guys are so great at is rising to a, to a customer need. And and trying to come up with a solution that'll fit that'll fit to all different. You got it. Just seems like you guys right. are so responsive. You know, innovation is so important in your job. Do you look for technology solutions that will enhance your marketing team's ability to collaborate and perform? Because you do focus. Yeah. You know, you have a core team underneath you, and I wonder how you do that. And you know, what's your strategy for making sure <laughs> that you you know. I do, I- I have a team underneath me. Trust me, I'm working for them day in and day out. I'm, <laughs> I'm their support. Right. I'm their support. Um, it's a great team. And, you know, I think great marketers are always learning and always advancing MarTech. So it, it is, as you know, Claire, a high priority from my team. And our, our technology stack evolves, I want to say every year, but it, it evolves maybe, maybe more than, more, more than that. Um, right now in COVID, our strategy has pivoted dramatically. Before the pandemic, 
as you know, events were our number one pipeline driver. And we, we did other things. We had digital outreach, but physical events really drove our contribution to pipeline. The most. As they did to many, um, many companies. I certainly not right, alone. Right. right. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that from, from my peer group across the board. And, you know, after, even before the pandemic was officially declared, we, as a company, had stopped participation in all physical events. We saw what was coming, and we, we, we pivoted to the safety of our clients and employees and, and focused entirely on virtual marketing. But what's interesting is our goals and our objectives remain the same. All we did was transform our methods to get there. And I'd like to say... It's kind of like my personal fitness goals. I used to go to the gym every morning, physically go to the gym. And now I have more of a home base, uh, you know, an online fitness routine with walking in the neighborhood. So, but there's still, you know, I'm still trying to get to the same results. And the same is for my team. We've retained all our objectives for 2020, but we changed our approach to how we're going to meet those objectives email campaigns and ebooks and digital ads. We've added a lot more webinars, more virtual events, virtual executive briefings to the mix. And we had also, you know, previously been using online listening and geofencing. But now our focus is on reaching out to personas um, and identities instead of locations because people aren't at the headquarters where they were previously. Um, and the last thing we did was was automated our delivery of the content. So the right target gets the right message based on where they are in the client journey. So we're either creating awareness or we're nurturing or we're engaging a contact or we're capturing a specific lead. But we've automated how we do that so that we can be a lot more efficient and effective. And it's it's so ironic in this time, I always think of this, is that, you know, when you need that human touch, that human component more than ever, it's it's like this there's this barrier that's up there that's preventing it, right? So it sounds like all those all those strategies you're use, you're using are are being are effective. Do you how do you build that culture internally? So you just told me all about the outreach to clients. But you you do have an amazing team. I know a lot of them. And I wondered how you're maintaining, um, you know, leadership virtually, but also the culture of that you um, have created. Hmm. Well, not just for the marketing team. So I'm going to take a step back and look at the overall organization. We dramatically stepped up the frequency of our communications with our employee base. So on on Friday, March 13, it was Friday the 13th, we told about 45,000 employees that if they could work from home, they should work from home. And it was not in our culture or our DNA to be a primarily remote work environment. We were a primarily client site or office-based environment. So this was a dramatic shift that we took nearly overnight, and more than 40,000 of our team members did work from home. Now, the remainder are actually at client sites and um, at hospitals and at government agencies helping our clients deliver on their mission. But for the remainder who aren't at client sites, they 
all working from home by by and large. Um, and then a week after that, we launched a series of weekly CEO updates to all our team members. We had biweekly all hands webcasts and uh, you know Zoomcasts, remote, but but they could see the entire executive team. And we've continued that to this day. We now we have shifted to doing them on a monthly basis. And the response has been remarkable. The transparency, the frequency, I would say, has made our global team closer, even though we are more physically apart than mm-hmm. ever before. Right. So that's kind of how I look at the overall organization. Yeah. For yeah. my team, for the marketers and for the communicators, you know, on top of weekly staff meetings and one-on-ones, I build culture through a weekly deep dive session. We actually call it marketing deep dive. And the topics vary. Sometimes it's about a campaign or a resource or best practices. Sometimes it's just about what's happening in the company or what's happening in the world. But it brings my community, the the marketers and the communicators at NTT Data Services, together once a week. And it's brought us together as a team, I would say, more so in this year than ever before. Do you feel that they actually are more informed now, in a sense? I think so. I I think our ability to stay informed has escalated this year because we're on Teams and we're on Zoom and we can share information much uh, much more quickly. And you know, my direct reports don't have to wait until I land from an over, overseas flight to debrief them. You know, we can brief and debrief and collaborate very quickly. And because people are traveling and people are at home, it's a lot easier to get to peers, get to people across the company by saying, hey, do you have 15 minutes where we can talk about something? People are seem much more available now than they've ever been before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't know if it's because they're so in touch with home that they actually can focus outward, you know, since since they're present, that, that maybe some of it is due to that. Um, you also have, you know, had to help some companies got caught, you know, uh, unprepared. And um, some had to really, you know, deploy new solutions, transform. Um, one of your big initiatives is to digitally transform businesses. And I know there's a great push for artificial intelligence and automation. How do you effectively message to them to get them to engage? I mean, if they haven't understood by now how important it is, that that's very challenging. I, I think, I think by and large, the the global community has uh, has seen um, this this adoption of digital faster than ever before. Uh, I kind of back up and say the, the the most important thing, the very first step, is to have great services and great service delivery. You can only sell what you have, so it's important to have something that's relevant and drives outcomes that matter most to clients. And fortunately for us, our pandemic-related services, our services around workplace, cloud, security, automation, customer experience, uh, we, were, we were right in the right place at the right time. 
which makes it a lot easier for us in marketing to do our part, to develop the, the tools that help clients understand and adopt all these great services that we've got. And so, you know, we work with our sales leaders. We create sales plays. We create campaigns that include a wide range of tactics that help them sell sell these services. So, to, to your question on how we effectively message, we've, we create these pre-written emails that sellers can use one-to-one or they can use them one-to-many. We have bite-sized content like blogs and infographics that sellers can use just to grab attention and start a conversation and, and build that client relationship. We've got tons of webinars that help extend the conversation. They're open all attendees, but especially to our highly targeted, you know, specific clients and prospects who we know might need that service. Uh, another area of thought leadership, which has proven very effective for starting conversations and building relationships. So we do C-level research studies that, that provide deep insights. For example, just last month, we launched our latest survey about the acceleration of artificial intelligence deployments. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about how organizations are turning to AI to help them keep customers and grow profitably. But by and large, executives are underestimating the ethical issues and the challenges that come with things like facial recognition and other AI capabilities. And we think we're in the best position to help clients gain the benefits and navigate the, navigate those challenges. And then, of course, we have all the traditional content for sellers, you know, overview decks and templates and things like that. And, and then all of it is amplified through our internal communications, our sales training, and, and then all the push tactics we do to get the content out to the market large. You have done so many campaigns over the years. Um, I'm sure mar- marketing initiatives, and uh, I'm sure more than you could probably count. But do you, does one stick out? What's been your favorite campaign that you've headed up? And I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you to tell me the message and why. Why was it? And maybe it doesn't even have to be your favorite, but just the most memorable That's one. Funny. Well, I, you know, I, frankly, I love the big pivot campaign that we have in market right now because we really wanted to get past our um, resilience message and move beyond stronger together into, okay, it's time to pivot. It's time to make the big pivot. And wherever you are as a client or as a prospect. We're going to help you pivot to what's next. And none of us know what's next. No one knows. So the campaign leaves a lot of flexibility to, to have that, to have that dialogue. So the, the one we have in market right now, that big pivot, I love, super flexible, covers all our services, and it's very timely. I, I would say probably, uh, another one of my favorite campaigns is the, the one that we created when NTT Data bought Dell Services. And what I love about it is how tongue-in-cheek it was. It showed our employees as IT rock stars with blue hair, blue lipstick, and blue nails, and, of course, blue sweaters that you see in in the IT services community. So they were kind of rock starry, but they were kind of just, you know, a typical IT services uh, employee. And we had a lot of fun talking about how we live for taking really complicated client challenges and helping clients solve them. Yes, yes. Actually, I really like that one too. NTT just announced this exciting healthcare initiative, 
and it's a partnership with an oncology informatics company, and I believe it's pronounced Vidence, right? Vidence? Right. And right. Uh, you're going to build AI and machine learning algorithms, and that's going to be a better predictor of patient outcomes, enhance decision-making, drive research. And it, it's, it's, it's things like that that your company is doing that are so exciting and really – People don't realize how much you're changing our lives. That's what makes me just love working for this company. And it is an exciting development. Um, it was, I think, October 22nd when we announced uh, with Biden, this oncology informatics company, a partnership to build AI and machine learning algorithms that advance cancer research and, and treatment. And the goals are to improve medical decision-making and drive clinical trials. Now, as the daughter of a pediatrician and someone who has a lot of doctors in my, in my family, you know, I understand how difficult it is for an individual doctor to make, to make decisions. And our ability to, to improve medical decision-making on, on, at a scale level and to combine medical imaging with clinical data to build a predictive model that will optimize treatment is game-changing, and it is, it is so cool. And we believe predictive analytics have the potential to change how care is delivered and to improve outcomes for human beings around the world. And that is so cool. It's so cool to be part of that. I know. It really will change our lives. Um, how do you feel like um, – actually, let me change that. I'll strike that. Tell me what, uh, what's coming down the pike. What do you – from your perspective, what do you think the next big thing NTT Data is working towards and will be a part of? You know, Claire, I think there are, there are so many cool things about working at NTT Data and being part of the much broader NTT corporate family. I think what we're doing – like the work with guidance is just one illustration of the personal fulfillment that I feel working here. It, it's, it's just so cool because you can see the latest technology being applied. We talked about AI and automation, but we also get early insights into what's coming next. Um, so, for example, at the highest level, NTT invests very heavily in research and development, about $3.6 billion annually in, in areas like physics and informatics, cryptography and information security, medical and health informatics. And one of the projects that's both amazing and incredibly important is the development of technology that immediately detects malicious websites and protects users against social engineering attacks. And that's going to be huge for web security and for blocking malicious sites. Um, in a totally different direction, the company is learning how to use sunlight to convert CO2 into fuel. <laughs> and the application could reuse CO2 emitted from offices and factories to reduce the need for fossil fuels and to help fight global warming. So, you know, two very different examples. They will change the world and protect the world and... Um, it's cool to be part of a company who's focused on these types of programs that will make it a better world. Game-changing. Wow, both of them. Both of them. People don't think that IT companies affect your life. They, they really do. So, Mona, we here at CACTEX Media are storytellers, so we always ask 
our guests, what are your favorite stories? What kind of things are you listening to, streaming, uh, any kind of platform? What things interest you today? Yeah, you know, when I look at when I look at this year, I mean, 2020 has been such a tumultuous year for so many reasons. We, we've, we're, we're still in a pandemic that's gone from healthcare crisis to economic crisis. We're still in the midst of elections. We have racial protests around the world. Um, so I, I don't know if they're my favorite stories, but I've got a, a stack of books at, at my nightstand. There's always a few things I'm reading or watching or listening to simultaneously. But I'd say what stands out for me right now is the 1619 podcast series by the New York Times about how slavery transformed America. And as someone who immigrated to the U.S. as a child, you know, I had a general awareness of the history of slavery, but I would say this project really opened my eyes to the ongoing struggle for racial equity. And every episode kind of left me with this visceral sense of the reality of what humans did to other humans. And that just, you know, raises important questions about what humans are doing to humans today, what they've done over the course of history, what we continue doing in the U.S. and and around the world. Um, And it also kind of makes me proud to be part of a company, part of Entity Data, that that long valued diversity and inclusion and, and took the, took the moment after George Floyd was killed to amplify the commitment and, and accelerate our actions. You know, look at my team. We've talked a lot about my team today. We immediately began collaborating with the employee resource group that advocates for black team members. And we posted a wide range of resources to help our team members better understand the black experience and how to have difficult conversations in a more constructive way. And in one of those difficult and constructive conversations we were having, one of my black team members said she believed reconciliation was not achievable because this country was not built on friendly friendly relations. And the textbook definition of reconciliation is a return to friendly relations. So that compelled me to listen to the 1619 podcast series and better understand her position, better understand the struggle for racial equity in America. And I think, you know, doesn't answer all the questions, but 1619 adds an important historical perspective for understanding race relations in in these modern times. And it, it helps strengthen my unequivocal commitment to diversity, to inclusion, to equity, to justice, for, for all. Right, right. Storytelling is such a powerful tool for um, starting conversations and getting people to talk about their feelings. And, you know, it's such a great jumping off point. Thank you for sharing that. That that podcast is amazing. Yeah. Tell me, are there other, are there other programs? NTT Data has a history of really being um, reflective and and. Um, keeping up with what's going on. And there's so much unrest and, um, you know, unease in our country right now. What else has your company done to address that with its employees? You know, I never thought about that word, reflective, but that that really is very much the tone that we have taken. Um, right, right after um, it, it all began. Our CEO, Bob Pryor, spent several days in conversations with 
black employees and peers and community leaders, including the first black mayor of our headquarters city, Plano, Texas, uh, Mayor Harry Lorazelier, who's a friend of the company. And after listening carefully, he shared a remarkable message with our global employee population. We ended up posting it on our website because we wanted the whole world to see it. Of course, we got his permission, but, but we said, you know, Bob, we want to share this with the world because he talked about entrenched injustice and racism and, and most importantly, how we as a company have a zero tolerance for racism and for discrimination in any form. And then he outlined the steps that the company is taking to accelerate diversity and inclusion within our company, including outreach to black professional associations and historically black colleges to amp up our, our diversity recruitment. And then we had sensitivity training that went from encouraged to required for company leaders. And he, he launched a series of regular meetings with all the employee resource groups to help them listen and understand the range of experiences in the company and to get their help with increasing diversity and inclusion. Uh, Claire, I'd say we're, we're still far from perfect, but we're definitely moving in the right direction, and I'm very proud of our CEO and our company. Yes, and, and you know, it's so important to have those conversations and it to happen in the workplace. You know, I think that it, when it happens in the workplace, it also helps it to happen in, in everyone's home, right, in everyone's family, the reaching out to each other and having difficult conversations, and that's just amazing. Mona, thanks so much for being on our podcast today and really appreciate you, and uh, go on and lead. Go forth and lead. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me and including me in your in your series. And I always 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 love talking about marketing and NTT and NTT data. So anytime, anytime.